stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo to do a beginning investor podcast. I realize many of you that are listening to the Zach's Market Edge and also my Value Investor podcast might be a little more advanced, but some of you may not be. You may be in the beginner category, and I do kind of gear these podcasts to the more advanced investors. I didn't really start out by doing it that way, but that's just kind of how it's evolved. So this week, I want to step it back and look at some issues that are confronting the beginning investor, because I know many of you are still in that category. So I tend to throw around a lot of jargon and investing lingo on this show, because I do assume many of you have already uh, understand what it is or have working knowledge of it. But after talking with a friend of mine who is a beginning investor, I realized that I really needed to do a podcast addressing some of what her questions were, because I'm sure many beginning investors out there also have the same questions that she has. And they're really good questions because I had them for years and years too. When I'm when I was preparing for this podcast, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I used to be confused about that too. So let's dive into what some of the jargon and the lingo actually means. And um, again, this is going to be basic to some of you who are more advanced, but it's a good refresher on what some of these investing basics really are. And I'm really going to talk about the lingo part of it. And by that, I mean what you hear if you're listening to this podcast or other investing podcasts, what you hear if you're watching CNBC or Fox Business or Bloomberg or TD Ameritrade or Yahoo Finance. And you know, you're watching that investing show and they're kind of just throwing out these terms, but you're new, so you have no idea what they're saying. It could sound like a foreign language if you're not uh, really clear on what the lingo actually means. So let's start off with a basic example. So you may hear someone on CNBC say that Apple stock is expensive but they're not talking about the share price, even though it is actually kind of expensive here at $161. No, they are most likely talking about the PE. And what is the PE? The PE, again, is the price to earnings ratio. And it literally means the price of the stock divided by the full year earnings. Now, you don't have to figure out the PE ever because that's already done for you. You can look on any type of investing site and you will find it. But there is a little bit of a problem with the PE. So Yahoo Finance has the PE on the front of its quote page. And for those of you who are new, Yahoo Finance is kind of the go-to site for many of us when we're looking at stocks. I just go to it to see what a stock is doing on any particular day. I go to it to look for the dividend yields. I actually don't go to it to look for the PE. And that's because Yahoo Finance uses the PE ratio that is the trailing ratio on the front on their quote page. So if you look just put in the ticker on Yahoo Finance, go to that quote page. It'll say right there on the front, 
PE ratio TTM has those little letters after it, TTM. And that TTM part of it indicates that that's the trailing PE. And what does that mean? That means it looks at last year's earnings, like the actual earnings that the company made. Other sites like Zach's will look at the forward PE. So if you see a PE ratio on an investing site and it just says PE or PE ratio and nothing else, that usually indicates it's the forward PE because they will put like the TTM on there if it's the trailing. So what's the difference? What does the forward PE do? That looks at the analyst earnings estimates for the earnings for the current year. So these aren't the actual earnings yet. These are what everybody hopes and thinks might be the earnings for that year. So let's look at a real example. So Apple has a trailing PE on Yahoo Finance of 26.8. If I go over to Zach's and look at the PE there, it has a forward PE because that's all Zach's has on its front homepage on the ticker. So on that quote page, it has a PE of 26.5. So these two PEs are nearly identical. Well, how could that be um, if you know one looks at what is actually the earnings and the other one is looking at what will be maybe the earnings, but we don't know yet for sure. It usually indicates if those are very similar that there's not much earnings growth that year. And taking a look at Apple, I see it's only expected to grow earnings 8% this fiscal year. So therefore, those two PEs are very similar because the earnings this year aren't that different from the earnings last year. Now you also have the P involved, right? The price of the stock. So that could change. If you have a big sell-off in um, Apple this year in the price, but the earnings are still expected to grow 8%, then you could still see um, that PE, you know, oscillate more um, because the P is changing and not just the E. But let's look at a company which is really growing earnings in a bigger way so you can really see the difference between the trailing and the forward. So I took a look at ExxonMobil, ticker XOM, because I knew that the energy stocks all have big earnings growth this year. And I was right. It's expected to grow earnings by 124.9% this year. So that's more than double what it did last year. So the forward PE on Zacks is now telling me it's 7.8. So it's trading at just 7.8 with this expected earnings. But when I went over to Yahoo Finance and plug it in over there, the trailing PE is at 16.1 or more than double. And that's a big difference, right? So 16.1 on the trailing because they didn't make as much money last year. And that's what the trailing is looking at. It's looking at the earnings that they've already you know, locked in. And the forward PE is, as it says, it's looking forward at what might be the earnings. So some people don't like to use the forward for this reason because it could change, right? Um, you know, business could slow, 
the economy goes into recession, you get a pandemic, whatever, and the earnings could get crushed down. And that forward P isn't looking all that great anymore because the earnings are not going to be what everybody thought. But many of us still like to look at future earnings because we want to know uh, how cheap we may be getting the stock or how expensive we may be getting it based on what is happening with earnings growth looking down the line. So um, keep these things in mind when you're looking at the PEs. So that's a little tricky, right? So then you might hear, uh, like I was saying, Apple is expensive, but it's not about the share price. It's about the actual P.E. ratio. But they don't say Apple's P.E. is expensive. No, they just say Apple is expensive. And so taking a look at its P.E. as we just did. So it's trading around 26, either with forward or trailing. So what is an expensive P.E.? is, you know, do you immediately think 26? Oh my gosh, that's super expensive. Or are you, oh, that's not, that's expensive, but it's not that bad, blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you know what is an expensive PE? So one of the ways is that if the PE is higher than the S&P 500 average, then it's expensive. So right now, the S&P 500 is trading around 18 times. So that is the price divided by the earnings, even with the S&P 500. For value investors, they usually look for a PE under 15. Now, why is that? Who picked 15? I, I still have never gotten an answer to this question. I don't know why 15 is the magic number, because it really doesn't have to be. Could be 14, right? could be 13, but for whatever reason, it was just 15 and that's where it is. But usually that means that is under the S&P 500. And if the S&P 500 gets down to 15 on average, that is considered cheap for the S&P 500. So value under 15 uh, usually just designates the cheapness. Now, I use the term dirt cheap for a company when it trades under 10. So that could mean a stock is at $15 and it's going to make $5 a share in earnings. So therefore it has a PE of three, but that is dirt cheap. I'm only paying three times to get those earnings. Um, and if some other things are good are going on with this company, it's actually growing its earnings, then even better that I'm getting it that cheap. So the PE is really how much you're paying for those earnings. So Apple at 26 times, that's fairly pricey for just 8% earnings growth that it's doing. But people have been willing to pay more a higher PE for a company that say is growing its earnings 30 or 40%. So these are little like nuances that you pick up on as you continue to invest. But basically PE, um, when they say Apple is expensive, they're not talking about the share price. They are usually talking about the PE, the lower, the better for PE under 10 is dirt cheap. Under 15 is a value stock, and I would say over 20 is more on the growthy side, 
And obviously, if you have a PE really high, like 100 or, you know, even higher than that, there have been PEs of like 400 during real uh, hot bull markets, then that is sky high. I always call it nosebleed level. And you have to ask, how much are you willing to pay for those earnings? The market is telling you a lot. Someone is willing to pay a lot for those earnings, but you may not want to. So, but it is, would be considered very expensive at that level. Okay. Back to other lingo that you may hear out there. So you just may hear Microsoft is trading at 27 times. Well, what does that mean? It just, people just throw this out there. Again, they're not mentioning any kind of ratio or, or anything. Usually if they say it's, you know, 27 times or 15 times with that times, and usually it's designated an X if you're writing it or typing it. So it'd just be 27 small little X. That means uh, usually that's indicating the PE again. So Microsoft is trading at 27 times. People are talking about it being expensive here on a PE basis, but they just throw it out there. Microsoft is at 27 times. Another metric commonly used to look at the valuation, especially for growth stocks and especially technology, is the price to sales ratio. And this is price divided by the sales. So you hear this a lot with the tech stocks on podcasts and on the investing uh, shows. You'll hear Microsoft is trading at 10 times and they, they may not even designate whether or not that's earnings or if that's the sales or slash revenue. But usually with the tech stocks, if they are saying, you know, something like 10 times or 15 times, you probably already know that that's, may not be the PE if it's that low, but that they are referring to the revenue side. So if it has a price to sales ratio of 10, if it's trading at 10 times, how do you know if that's good or bad? This is a similar dilemma to the PE, right? You just know this number is being thrown out there. So a value price to sales ratio is actually under one. So that would be like 0.5. And what does that mean? That means for every dollar of sales that company generates, you are buying it at 50 cents. So you're getting a deal. You are getting those sales on sale. <laughs> Essentially, the revenue is on sale because you're only paying 50 cents for every dollar of those sales. So that, that is kind of easy to understand for the basic new investor, right? It's when it gets a lot higher that it seems more confusing. So technology is considered growth, so you rarely see a price to sales under one for many tech stocks, especially when they're in this bull type of market. You just don't. But technology also does have higher sales growth. They are growing at a faster rate. That's why they're the growth stocks. So investors give more leeway and expect to pay higher price to sales ratio for that growth. So Microsoft at 10 times you have to look at how how expensive has it been in the past for its sales? How low has it gone? How high has it gone? What is it doing with its sales growth right now? So I looked up its sales growth and fiscal 2023 sales expected to rise 10.9%. 
fiscal 2024 expected to rise 13.7%. So at least I'm getting double digit sales growth. But sales of 10 times for Microsoft is a bit on the high side historically for the company. So many would say it's expensive here based on the sales growth component. Many times people use the price to sales ratio if there's no earnings to try to figure out valuation. So I took a look at Uber, which has uh, up until recently had no earnings, but it has a price to sales ratio of just 2.3. So that's much lower than Microsoft's 10 times. Is 2.3 high? Well, you can use kind of the same metric of looking at the S&P 500 that we do for the price to the earnings. So I had to look around to see what the price to sales ratio is currently for the S&P 500. You can just Google it, which is what I did, and it's at 2.56. But its 10-year high, which just happened in December of 2021, was 3.04. Actually, it's more than a 10-year high. It's like a 15-year high. And in um, 2009, we had the lows of the recent uh, cycle, and that was when it went under one. So people were getting those sales real cheap back in 2009, in March of 2009, right when the bottom hit in the stock market. It was around 0.8% at that point. So you were getting every dollar's worth of sales for 80 cents back in 2009. That's why it was on sale. Stock market did finally bottom during the financial crisis then, and then was up from there. So just looking at the longer term chart of the S&P 500 price to sales ratio makes me think we have a way to go that's still lower in this overall market because in 2020 during the coronavirus sell-off the price to sales ratio of the S&P 500 went under two and so this doesn't look that cheap here but the data does look back to the S&P 500 sales data as of March 2022 so we should see some changes in that going forward here um, as the new sales data comes in for the second quarter here and all of this data is updated. But still, even with that new data coming in, still much more elevated than you would expect given the market pullback and um, all the worries about growth and the economy right here. It doesn't look like it's happening really in the price to sales ratio of the S&P 500. Uh, I took a look at one of the other big names, Tesla, because I was curious what's happening with its ratios and is it expensive right here? And sure enough, yes, it is. So it has a PE of 75. That's the forward PE. It has a trailing PE, however, of 90 times. So that's based on the actual earnings. It's trading at 90 times, and that would be considered very high. Price to sales ratio is at 13.9. That also is in the double digits, is uh, also considered to be pretty high. Um, Earnings are growing quite swiftly, up 75.4%. So investors are willing to pay as high as 75 times on the earnings side 
for that 75% earnings growth. And so they're, they're willing to, to pay that high. You have to ask yourself, are you willing to pay that for what this company is actually producing on both the earnings and the sales side? Okay, let's talk about some other lingo that you might hear and be wondering, what does that mean? So uh, I've been hearing this, and I totally forgot about this term, but you may be hearing it a lot more recently, and that's what is arbitrage. It's kind of just thrown out there. I think it's in some of the you know stock market movies that are out there. Isn't there one named arbitrage? I think there is. What does that mean when you hear him talking about arbitrage on CNBC? It's what happens after an acquisition is announced and the shares actually drop and investors dive in to get the difference between the shares that are now lower and the buyout price. So I have a couple examples because this is actually happening right now. So there's Twitter, ticker TWTR. It's being bought by Elon Musk. He's buying it at $74.20, but as we all know, he's trying to get out of the deal now. So the price on Twitter initially did spike up. It never went to $54.20, but it went uh, much higher than what the shares were trading at the time the deal was announced. And um, because of course it would, it's being bought out at $54.20, right? So that makes sense. But it has since taken a dive because... Elon uh, Musk is trying to get out of the deal. Nobody knows if this deal is going to happen. There's lawsuits everywhere. And the Twitter board is trying to force the deal to happen, but we will see what actually happens in court. So the shares have come back down into the 30s and now back into the 40s, but that's well below the 54.20. So David Einhorn, who is the manager at Greenlight Capital, he just announced he bought shares of Twitter at the average price of $37.24 because, of course, he believes the court is going to order that deal to close and he's going to get $54.20. Well, that's easy money. Arbitrage is easy if you guess right and the deal actually does close. So that's one example of arbitrage. Another one is actually Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is doing arbitrage right now. Uh, we haven't seen him do that for a long time, but he's doing one. So uh, Microsoft announced they were buying Activision Blizzard several months ago. Berkshire Hathaway had already bought a billion dollars worth of Activision before the deal was ever announced. And then the deal was announced uh, for much higher, as they usually are. And so People thought initially the stock price uh, bounced higher, but again, like the Twitter deal, people thought this deal is never going to actually close. It's never going to actually happen. So the stock has come back down and Warren Buffett revealed that he decided to go in on that stock decline and buy a bunch of shares as an arbitrage. So Berkshire Hathaway now owns 9.5% of Activision Blizzard. That's the ticker ATVI. And um, it's now trading at $79.76. Microsoft's offer was at $95. And I don't remember what Buffett bought at, but it was the lower. But why is he doing it? Why is he putting such a huge position on? Because it's basically free and easy money, right? 
Like if you're going to get the difference between the two, even if it's just five bucks a share, if you're putting like a billion, couple billion dollars in there, $5 a share adds up. That's easy, cheap, somewhat quick money can take up to a year for some of these deals to close. So you don't know how long your money is going to be tied up there waiting to get the payout. But usually it's fairly quick. So um, this was Buffett doing a arbitrage on this Microsoft Activision deal, which is somewhat delayed from what I understand and hasn't closed yet. So we're still waiting on this one to see what happens there if that one goes through. Otherwise, Berkshire Hathaway is just going to own a bunch of Activision Blizzard. I don't think they're going to mind necessarily. Um, And it is interesting. We'll see if they've bought even some more here on the weakness in this stock. Uh, So that's arbitrage. And another type of lingo, the final one I wanted to talk about, and then I'm going to wrap it up, is just on all this talk of the Fed. So you may be hearing all this talk about um, the Fed being hawkish or dovish. Oh, I have one other thing. I'm not wrapping it up. Um, There is one other thing I want to talk about. But anyways, back to the hawkish or dovish. You may hear, you know, so-and-so on the Fed is hawkish, or even the FOMC is dovish, even all of it is dovish. What, What are they talking about? What does that even mean? The hawkish, the dovish thing is kind of complicated. Well, not really complicated, but confusing, I should say. But I like to think about um, what the actual birds are. So the hawk, you know, it's a little more aggressive there. And the hawk, if someone is hawkish, that means they want to raise rates, the monetary policy, they want rates to rise because they feel inflation is out there and they want to fight inflation. They want to normalize the rates to keep inflation low and maybe curb some speculation in the economy that low rates can sometimes do. And so if you're a hawk, you want to keep the rates higher, you want to raise them or keep them elevated to fight inflation even at the expense of growth or, you know, the expense of the economy per se. So that would be the hawkish side. The dove is the cute little dove just sitting there cooing, right? The the dove wants the low rates. Uh, they think some inflation may be okay and they want to see the economy continue to grow and they want to encourage it so they keep the rates lower because cheaper rates or lower rates is cheaper money. And that is usually an economic stimulus. Uh, you know, if I can borrow at less cost, I'm willing to borrow more, perhaps. And um, I'm willing to, you know, expand my business or take some chances, or maybe I can buy that new house with a lower mortgage rate and all of that. So um that's basically the gist of the fed hawkish or dovish sometimes i have to do a double take like oh they're saying so and so is dovish what does that mean again and then i do think of the little dove like cooing okay they want low they're they're not into confrontation <laughs> like the hawk is so just there is a reason they're the hawk and the dove right so just keep that part in mind so an example of this is uh, FOMC or Fed Governor Mary Daly, she just was talking about how 
Uh, she wants to keep the rates elevated, that the Fed, she does not believe, is done raising the rates. They will keep them elevated for some amount of time because they feel that's better for the economy. The economy is a little more certain if it's not these jarring you know, raises or decreases in the interest rate, the Fed funds rate. So that is more the hawkish side. She believes they have to be fighting the inflation and that they will keep it elevated. Um, when you hear FOMC members dovish, that is when they think the Fed has gone far enough that they will like slow down the rate increases. Um, and then eventually the doves will be saying like, oh, we need to cut again. And so then you'll hear more about the dovish side. So that's a real life example that's going on out there right now. Most of the Fed is actually pretty hawkish here. Um, I don't think anybody is dovish at the moment, but that can change quickly. And we will see at the next Fed meeting in September 2022. Okay, and then one more type of lingo that always used to get me that maybe getting some of you is during earnings season, which we're in right now, you may hear that a company has beat on the top line or they beat on the bottom line. Well, what does that mean? What are they even talking about? I never understood this for the longest time, but it is fairly easy to get. And many of you who've taken like basic accounting class and look a lot at the financials of companies, know what they're talking about. So the top line is revenue and the bottom line is the income because it's li literally revenue is at the top of the income statement. So that's how it got that name, the top line. It's the top line on the income statement and the income is the bottom line on the income statement. So that's how that got that statement. But you'll hear they beat on the top. Well, that just means the analyst gave an earnings or a revenue guidance and they beat on that guidance. They could just say they beat on revenue <laughs> instead of beat on the top. But this is lingo that is used in the investing community and that they do use in both articles and on uh, the chat boards and on the various TV shows and podcasts. So you may hear this and now you know what it is. And a real life example of this, I was even just Googling and looking around for this, is I just saw an earnings article about the company 5-9 and 9 is the number 9. So 5-9, it's spelled out 5, F-I-V-E with the number 9. The ticker is F as in Frank, I, V as in Victor, N as in Nancy, F-I-V-N. And it's a cloud contact center software provider, cloud contact center software provider. And revenue is up 31.3% year over year. And the headline said record Q2 top line. So they could have just said record Q2 revenue, but that might not sound as like slick or cool. So it has to be record Q2 top line. But now you know that if it says that, the top line, that that's the revenue. And so this sales that were up 31.3%, it went to, to 189.4 million, was a record second quarter, at least, 
on the revenue side. So that's some of the lingo you'll see out there too, especially during earnings season. You'll see this beat on the top or missed on the bottom, and now you know what it is. But for some of us uh, who don't have as much experience with the actual financial statements, I sometimes have to like write myself a little note saying like top means revenue just to remind myself because it does slip my mind sometimes like when I see a headline like that like record Q2 top line I do have to start to think like what is that again and oh yes it means the revenue because that's at up at the top so uh you have to keep learning these things as you go along so don't worry about that it that's normal and um, some of it will stick with you as you keep going on in, you know, your investing career and your investing journey, let's just call it. And it'll become second nature to you. So when you hear, you know, Apple is expensive, you will know they're not talking about the actual price of that stock. They are talking about most likely the price to earnings ratio. And when you hear Apple is trading at 26 times then you'll also know instantly that they are talking about the P.E. ratio without ever saying it. And it's a nice little thing when you get into the groove enough and you have enough experience in investing and um, following the stock market to realize that that is what that means. And it'll come second nature to you eventually. So keep that in mind um, when you're out there investing and stick with it. So let's recap some of the tickers I talked about on the show because there were actually quite a few. So there was Apple. That was our main example because that's an easy one. Everybody kind of relates to it. And it's AAPL is the ticker. We also talked about Microsoft, ticker MSFT. There was Exxon in there as the low-cost example on the PE side. XOM is the ticker for Exxon. We talked about Twitter on the arbitrage side, TWTR. We also talked about Tesla and what its PE and price to sales ratios are saying there and signaling TSLA. There's also Activision Blizzard on the arbitrage side, ticker ATVI. And by the way, the arbitrage is still in play for both Twitter and Activision Blizzard. You don't have to be David Einhorn to still be playing arbitrage on both of those because they both are trading considerably below their buyout offers. So if you're inclined to try arbitrage as well, that's still out there, still available, um, but you might get it wrong. That's the other risk of the arbitrage, right? That the deal falls through, the stocks may fall further uh, than what you bought at if the deals fall through. So keep that in mind. There is risk. Um, and that was, oh, five, five, nine. I almost forgot them. Ticker F-I-V-N, our little example at the end about the top line. So as always, be sure to listen in because I'm trying to cover topics here that will help all of you investors out there every week. Some will be more advanced. Usually when I have uh, John Blank on, our chief equity strategist, talking about the economy and recessions and, and the Fed and all of that, but some of them will be on the more basic side. I'll try to include some more of these basic podcasts to help those of you who are just beginning 
and who are still having questions and needing a little bit more information about investing and what it's all about. So I'll be doing a combination of those on both this show and on the Value Investor Podcast. So you want to be sure to subscribe. You can get both shows if you're on SoundCloud. Both of them are on SoundCloud. They both are also on Apple Podcasts. So you can get both of the shows there. You can get both of them on Spotify. And you can also get them on Amazon Music. But be sure to get them on whatever podcast platform you're listening to because we're on a bunch of others, not just the big ones. But be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.